Yes, speak to us, Lord. Amen. Lord, we come to you. Amen. We open to you. Amen. How we thank you that we have your cleansing blood. Amen. It always opens the way for us. Amen. We thank you that you are our sin offering. Amen. And you're also our trespass offering. Amen. You take care of our every need Amen. so that we might be brought to you. Amen. Lord, tonight we just want to meet in you. Amen. We want to meet with you. Thank you that by your blood you can also meet with us Amen. and speak to us. Amen. Lord, we just present ourselves to you. Amen. We love you. Amen. And we confess our need for more of you. Amen. We give you this first session tonight. Amen. And we offer you even the whole weekend. Amen. Thank you for calling us together. Amen. Even we remember the saints still on the way. Amen. We pray for their covering. Amen. Bring all say here safely. Lord, that there would be no distraction, Amen. both outwardly nor inwardly, Amen. to the receiving of your word. Amen. Lord, we're here for your word. Amen. We're here for your speaking. Amen. Your speaking Amen. and your presence Amen. mean everything. Amen. So we lay everything aside. Amen. And we ask you for the grace, Lord, Amen. to really lay everything aside, Amen. to focus on you and your word tonight. Again, we say, Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. 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 It's the Lord's intention and clearly revealed in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that all of his people would be priests. When he called the children of Israel out of Egypt, Jehovah brought them to Mount Sinai, and there he revealed his heart, his desire. You know, they actually did not know him yet, not so well. And so he took them there, and they spent quite a while there with God just speaking to them and opening his heart to them and really introducing himself to them. But nearly the first thing that he says in chapter 19, Exodus 19.6, is that I want a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. And this actually is echoed through the whole Bible even until the last book, where John, the exiled apostle, the Lord comes to him. And in his introduction in John's writing in Revelation, he also expresses this, that God desires a kingdom of priests. A kingdom in which Every constituent of the kingdom is a priest. Amen. And even in the final chapter, Revelation 22, although the word priest is not apparently there, it does say that his slaves will serve him for all of eternity. But that word serve is a very particular word in Greek. You know, there are a number of words, at least I believe three, that can be used 
that are translated to the word serve in English. But this particular word that John uses is to serve him as a priest. Saints, for eternity, we will be serving him as priests. But you know, both in the Old Testament and in the New, God, at least thus far, never got that. In the Old Testament, he, he, he never accomplished that desire. Although there in Exodus 19 he expressed this, it was never realized. And eventually only one tribe had the privilege to be the priests. And why was that? Well, we know the story, the golden calf. They, there was the worship of an idol. The worship of an idol. And in the New Testament, in the New Testament, it also was God's desire, and maybe you could say he had it for a brief time. When we see the description in the book of Acts, the way they would meet from house to house, the way that they would preach the gospel, it does seem maybe temporarily there was that reality, but that was lost. But that was lost. And even till today, even till today, God has not fully recovered that. But dear saints, that is the goal of the Lord's recovery. Amen. That all his people would be priests. Amen. And even this is the burden of what is, we say among us is the God-ordained way. To bring every brother and sister into function into function. Well, tonight we come to this message, the consecration of the priests. The consecration of the priests. And the reason I want to give you this introduction is because I don't know um, if there are any new ones here. You might see this title and say, the consecration of the priests. Um, am I in the right place? Am I in the right meeting? Uh, because I'm not a priest. Oh, it, I, I, I'd like to tell you, if you are a believer, you are a priest. At least that's how God sees it. If, you, if you're a believer, you're a priest. Yeah. But the priest must be consecrated. We're going to see this in a moment. We were regenerated to be priests. So you are a priest. But that's what God did. God did to produce us as a priest. We have to give our cooperation to consecrate ourselves and to be consecrated as priests. Now, this message might be familiar to a number of us because, uh, or I should say this outline, not the message, but the outline, because you don't know what I'm going to say yet. <laughs> yeah. The outline may be familiar because uh, this outline was the first outline in the most recent uh, crystallization study training on the book of Leviticus. And this weekend, uh, we are going to cover four messages or four outlines from that training. I can tell you now, it will be one, two, and ten and eleven. Right? Um, but dear saints, dear saints, I hope those of you who participated in the training, whether it was the live training or you saw the messages through video or you listened by audio, uh, I, hope, I hope you could be open still to receive more. Amen. Because the word of God 
is the word of God. And it's, and it's, it's like a storehouse. And even you mine, you know, we have a hymn in our, in our hymn book. I think it's 804. Uh, thy word is like a storehouse, Lord. And, and you can mine some riches, but there are always more riches to mine. So I hope we would have the attitude, Lord, I'm still hungry. And I still like to see more. And especially, Lord, I still would like to be recovered more into my function as a priest. Lord, show me what it is. Show me what it is to be a consecrated priest. Yeah. So, <clears throat> dear saints, this matter of the priesthood is so wrapped up with the accomplishment of God's economy. The building of the church, the building of the church is dependent on our function as priests. Because God, I mean, the Lord Jesus said there in Matthew, of course, I think most of us know, the, the, the greatest prophecy in the scriptures in Matthew 18, uh, 16, 18, I will build my church. But how does he build? Actually, we find out from the Revelation and the rest of the New Testament that he builds indirectly. In a sense, he doesn't build directly. He builds through his members. And if the members are not building, the church is not built. But what does it mean to build? Oh, it's wrapped up. It's wrapped up with our functioning as priests. And what does that mean? In a simple way, in a simple way, you could just say this way. What is a priest or what does a priest do? A priest brings what? Man to God and then God to man. Man to God, God to man. And the first one, the first man that we have to bring to God is ourselves. We need to bring ourselves to God to soak in his presence, to be saturated with his, with his person. Then we go to man with that God with whom we have been infused and constituted. And then through our going to other men, oh, then we bring them to God. And oh, you really can, shepherding is just to get someone, to get someone to go to God. Go to God. You bring God to them so that they go to God on their own. Yeah. We're going to see this at the end of, at the end of, this, uh, at the end of this message. Let's, let's look at the outline. Let's look at the outline. Let's read together Roman number one. Let's read Roman one together. Amen. We, sorry. At Sinai, God gave his people all the chapters of Leviticus to train them to worship, partake of him, and to live a holy, clean, and rejoicing life. You know, when I was... Uh, especially when I was a young believer, before I had come into the Lord's recovery, uh, I had a, my, my, a Bible that was given to me as a, my, my first new Bible when I was baptized. I was 12 years old. 
My sister gave me a Bible, and I treasured that Bible. Actually, I still have that Bible. It's in my, it's in my study. It's not this Bible. That one is a little um, worn, more worn than this one. And that Bible is what's called a red-letter edition. Are you familiar with the red-letter edition? Yes. Yeah. The red letters is supposed to be just the words that Jesus spoke, right? So, so when it says, and Jesus said, that's not red, that's black, and Jesus said, comma, I am the resurrection and the life. So I am the resurrection. That's red. It's printed in red, the red-letter edition. You know, if we had a red-letter edition for God speaking, for God speaking, oh, Leviticus would be almost all red. Do you you understand? Actually, the the last half of Exodus and Leviticus, red. Why? Because it's just God speaking. God speaking. Why does God have to speak so much? Because his people, they didn't know him. And they didn't know how to love him. They didn't know how to serve him. Actually, even they didn't know how to rejoice. He had to train them how to know him, how to love him, how to serve him. How to serve him. Oh, there's a story about some. We're, we're not going to, maybe tomorrow morning we'll touch that. Some that served him not in his way. Oh, bad ending. Bad ending. We need to know how to serve him. It's not good enough just to desire to serve him. We have to know his way of service. You know, I believe every regenerated believer has an innate desire to serve the Lord. At least, at least at the at the beginning or at one point in their life. There's just a desire. Lord, I want to love you and please you. That's wonderful. That's precious. That's pure. But that's not enough. We have to take God's word so that we can know how to please him, how to love him, how to serve him. So God brings them there to Sinai. And he opens his heart to them about the law. He gives the law. And the law is actually showing himself. And then a great part of Exodus is the tabernacle, this house that he desires. And then they build it. And then when they build it, from there he speaks. And what's the first speaking from there? The book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus. I hope that these days we are treasuring the book of Leviticus more than before. And I hope in the days to come we would treasure yet more. Amen. I, have, I have to confess, I have to confess that when I first started reading the Bible, I was a teenager, young teenager, and I got inspired in the church high school meeting to read the Bible. So I started to read the Bible. And I got a lot of momentum at the beginning because it was fresh and new until I got to Leviticus. (laughs) And then I slowed down. I don't know if any of you had a similar 
experience. I don't know. No, don't raise your hand. But I, I think I can tell some of you did. Because, oh, I, I felt, oh, what, is, what are all these things here, this offering? And actually at that time, I thought, I didn't know any of that had anything to do with me. Yeah. I learned something in the time between then and now. It has everything to do with me. Yeah. Dear saints, Leviticus has everything to do with our serving him as priests. If we're really going to serve him in his way, we must treasure the book of Leviticus. We must know the book of Leviticus. And in chapter, in chapter 8, in chapter 8, which is what we're, we're focusing on in this, in, this, in this message, actually, chapter 8 focuses on the consecration of the priests. But, as mentioned uh, uh, here in Roman 1, God is, what, actually training his people to worship him. Training them. Training all his people to worship him. And actually, chapters 1 through 7, concerning all the offerings, right, all the offerings, we need to realize that all of those offerings lead to the priesthood. Lead to the priesthood. The revelation of all those offerings is not so that we can have just a personal, sweet Christian life. The revelation of each of those offerings is actually to lead us to this chapter so that we could see something of the priesthood. Okay, let's, let's continue. Roman 2. Let's we can read together. The record in Leviticus... Amen. Sisters, please read A. And this is what I just mentioned. Actually, chapters 1 through 7 are for chapter 8. Right? So if you want to experience the burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, trespass offering, the sin offering. If you want to experience these, we must see this is leading to the priesthood. It's leading to the priesthood. Uh, We can read B. Brothers, please. The Hebrew word. I think many of us are familiar with this. This word consecrate in the Hebrew means fill the hands. Literally to fill the hands. Because as the priests were being consecrated or set apart for service, there were things put into their hands. The offerings were put into their hands. When you read Leviticus 8, you can see that. And then they even would would, would wave some of the offerings, holding it in their hands. So... From this, we have to realize every offering is a type of Christ. Every offering is a type of Christ. So, to be consecrated means what? It means to fill our hands with Christ. 
Now that's easy to say, and we say that here so easily. But what does that mean, saints? You know, um, when this message was released in the training, there was this strong burden there, and I'd like to echo this. This word, consecrate, we use this word quite a bit in our church life lingo. Actually, I could tell you, I, learned, I really learned this word, although I had heard it, I really learned this word in the Lord's recovery. I grew up, I grew up attending the Brethren denomination until I met the Lord's recovery in, in when I was 14. When I was 14. And before that, I had an experience with the Lord. A very, very definite experience at 12 and a half. That was the first time that I really consecrated my life to the Lord. And um, at that time, I did not have in my mind the word consecrate. I didn't know this, but that was my consecration. I used the word dedicate. Dedicate. I said to the Lord these words, Lord, I dedicate my whole life to you. But that was a consecration. That was my consecration. Then, a year and a half later, I came to my first meeting, actually uh, in Los Angeles, in Eldon Hall. And there with the brothers, I learned the word consecration. Consecration. So since then, in so many, of course, I was going to high school. I was 14, so I was going to high school meetings, high school conferences, and then college conferences, and then just the general church conferences, and we use the word consecration, consecration. Dear saints, we, we, need to, we need to have a renewed appreciation. An understanding, even. The appreciation requires first an understanding of what is consecration. And this chapter gives us this view. I believe that many of us, maybe even all of us in this room, at one time or another, we said, Lord, I consecrate myself to you. I believe so. Probably more than one time. Brother Matt, how many times? Dozens. That's not, right? Not an exaggeration. Dozens. But do you have the experience that your consecration wanes? W-A-N-E-S. One, one night, maybe in this room, in some conference, you stand up, Lord, I give myself to you. So fresh. So full of feeling. Even out of vision. But three months later, have we experienced that? Saints, there are keys in this chapter that might open to us why that happened. Why does that happen? And what is the real consecration? So I hope, I hope, as we go through the outline, you, would, you would pay, could pay attention. Hmm, maybe that consecration, even though it was real, don't question the genuineness. Don't question the genuineness. That was real. That was probably a response to the Lord's visitation. But why? Some not after three months. Some after five years. 
Some after 10 years, the consecration wanes. Why? Maybe it's because we didn't have the proper understanding of this chapter, of the principles that are shown here. Oh, saints, there are quite a number of things here that are very enlightening. So as we go through, I hope we could have this kind of view. A second thing before we continue is service, or the word serve. Do you serve? Do you serve in the church life? Where, where do you serve? Young people. Some of us serve ushering. Some serve children's meeting. Some serve in the finance. Some serve in the maintenance, gardening. Gardening and maintenance, that was my first service in Los Angeles when I, when I visited there. My, ser- my first service in the church in New York when I really started my church life was nursery. Nursery. At that time, all the high schoolers were assigned to nursery service. That was wonderful. I was serving with, with, let's see, three high schoolers were assigned to 12 sisters. 12 sisters plus one high school sister, that's 13, and then two of us brothers. 15 and 13 were sisters. And that was my service, my first service. So we serve in the church life. Do you serve? I like to ask, by the time we're done here tonight, maybe we'll ask this again. Do you serve this way? Because for the Lord's service, he has some standard. Do we serve as priests? Do we serve the children? Do we serve the babies as priests? Do we serve the cleaning service? As priests? Or do we just do some chore? It's very possible. And maybe all of us are guilty. We say we're serving, but actually it's not serving as a priest. It's just taking care of some outward chore in the church life. It's helpful. Please still do that. And please be more faithful. But it would be much better if we're doing the cleaning as a priest. If we're serving the young people as a priest. I hope these two words, consecration and service, we could see this in a little fresh way in this fellowship tonight. Okay, let's continue. C. Sisters, could you please read C? Amen. So the first point here, saints, is that if we're going to serve as priests, we need to be occupied with Christ. We need our hands filled with Christ, not things. Not, not outward things. We should, our hands should be full of Christ, not busyness. You know, in the church life, It's very easy to be busy. 
and you're busy with many things. And uh, because they are the things related to the Lord or related to the service or related to the meeting hall or maybe preparation for the conference, then we call that service. But it's very possible, very possible. It's not the real service. It's very possible we're serving not as consecrated priests because our hands are not filled with Christ. They're filled with things. They're filled with things. Now, this doesn't mean great. So I drop all the things and just enjoy the Lord. Well, it is great, and we should enjoy the Lord, but I hope that we can do the things, still do the things, but do them enjoying the Lord. (laughs) And we come to the service with our hands full of Christ. You know, we always encourage We always encourage, for whatever service, even if you're coming together to do the cleaning of the bathroom, we always encourage, saints, pray together first. Pray together. So that this service can be a spiritual service. At least, at least, at this point, at this time, you can fill your hands with Christ. You can apply him as the sin offering, as the trespass offering. You can apply him as the burnt offering and then go clean the bathroom. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Outwardly, what you're doing there, it may look exactly the same as the last time. But actually, in essence, it's very different. In essence, you're carrying out the priesthood with real consecration because you're there cleaning full of Christ. Maybe even having fellowship with another. That would be wonderful. Oh, I do hope our service in the church could be upgraded into the real spiritual level, that everything we do would be the the real spiritual priesthood. Amen. Let's read D. Sisters? Amen. Here I like to highlight this word, constitute. Constitute. Saints, every believer is a priest. In the Lord's eyes, every believer is consecrated to be a priest. Sorry, sorry. What I meant to say is, every believer is regenerated to be a priest. But now... We need to be constituted priests. How are we constituted priests? By enjoying Christ in so many different ways. According to these five offerings. The more we enjoy Christ in any of these ways, the more we're being constituted with Christ. Then our, our, our priesthood is being worked out. We should never undervalue, underestimate any time we enjoy the Lord even a little bit. Saints, if we have an experience either in the morning when we're with the Lord or throughout the day that we apply Christ as any of these offerings, even just confessing our sins, applying him as the trespass offering, or in any situation where there was no peace but we took him as our peace, And he became our peacemaker. 
especially in our own household, that little experience is constituting us for our priesthood. We, we have more Christ to bring to people, to bring to man. Every little experience counts. Actually, constitution is by accumulation. You know, constitution is never instant. Even a child, a baby born, right? The more they eat, the more they're nourished, their constitution is built up over time, over years. So we, we should be patient with ourselves and patient with others. But along the way, just enjoy Christ Amen. in so many different aspects. And actually, our priesthood is being developed day, day by day. Okay, now we come to point E. I think, brothers, it's E, and there's a, I have a particular burden here. Let's read this, brothers. The constitution of Christ in us. Sometimes this matter of consecration is referred to as ordination. Outside in Christianity, this word ordination has its meaning. We certainly are not talking about that. But what are, what are we talking about here? On one hand, we consecrate ourselves to God. On the other hand, he accepts that consecration. And you could say somewhat, he makes our consecration official. <laughs> he accepts our consecration and makes it official. Saints, it does mean something to utter these words, Lord, I give myself to you. Lord, I consecrate myself to you. That means something, saints. That means something. Even to publicly declare, Lord, I give myself to you for Christ and the church. Oh, I do hope that this weekend there would, could be such kind of declarations. That means something. But you know, when, when you utter those words, God comes in to accept and to officialize those words. He does his part. He takes you up on your word to make that word real. We just offer ourselves to him. We offer ourselves to him. And then he comes to us. And that's his ordaining. That's his ordaining. You know, saints, I, I mentioned before that in the Old Testament, God never realized the priesthood of all his people. But I was considering maybe the closest time, the closest that he got, was on the night of the Passover. Okay. Consider this. Consider this. On the night of the Passover, in every household, a lamb was slain. No? A lamb. A lamb was slain, and the blood was sprinkled, right, on the doorposts. Yeah. The function of who is, I mean, is, who is associated with that function in the Bible? It's priests, right? That's the function of a priest. To sacrifice a lamb and to, put the, to sprinkle the blood. 
But I would ask you, that night of the Passover, who were the priests? Actually, the parents. Every household had priests. I would say at least two priests. Mommy and daddy. <laughs> Mommy and daddy. Maybe that night was the closest that the Lord ever got to the universal priesthood in, in the Old Testament. But you know, I think that shows us something. Saints, or I would say parents, parents, all of us must be priests in our household. At the very least, we must be priests in our household. Bringing man to God and God to man. You know, if you, if you read, we won't take the time, but if you read Exodus 12 and 13, the Lord says to, that, to Moses that he should tell the people, when, when you go into the good land and your children ask you, Father, what does this mean? Don't you think some of the children would wonder, what, what are you doing, Daddy? You go and put the blood? Ooh. Put it on the door? What does this mean? And it says, you say to them, this is what Jehovah did for me on that night. And you describe. It doesn't say that you should send them to the children's meeting on the Lord's Day. It doesn't say that you should invite Sister Miriam over to give a lesson to the children. It says, you say to them. You say to them. Anyway, I, I do believe that night was the closest that the Lord ever got in the Old Testament. That all his people would be priests. But that shows us something. Parents, parents, we all must be priests in our household. Amen. Amen. Let's, con let's continue. In F it says, the consecration of Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tent of meeting signifies that our consecration for the priesthood is not only before God, but also for the church. Amen. Saints, this, this also is a kind of principle that might be a little window as to why sometimes our consecration wanes. If our consecration is too much focused on ourselves, that I could grow, that I would be nourished, that I would be supplied. It's very possible our consecration will wane. Our consecration, or the consecration of the priests, was at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Why there? Why would, why would the Lord make this kind of ordinance? That... Moses had to consecrate Aaron and his sons at the entrance, only there. Why? Because it shows the priesthood is for the house. So, dear saints, our consecration must be for Christ and the church, not, not something indiv individualistic. Although we will touch something personal uh, later, a personal application. But personal does not mean individualistic. Point G says, Moses' washing of Aaron and his sons with water signifies that our consecration for the priesthood, that for, for our consecration for the priesthood, we need to be washed by the Spirit. Amen. Washed by the Spirit. Saints, here also is a kind of principle 
we have to consider, after we consecrate ourselves, we give ourselves to the Lord, we have the heart for the Lord, how can our consecration be maintained? It cannot be maintained apart from the washing of the Spirit. This is different than the washing of the blood. This is the washing of the Spirit. This, you could say, is what is alluded to in Ephesians chapter 5, where we have the washing of the water in the Word. How to maintain our consecration, saints? We need the Word. We need the Word. I have seen, well, I have experienced myself, and I have seen many busy in the church life with many things, but our own busyness in the church matters takes away our time from the Word. And somehow, the freshness of our consecration, not as before. Saints, we, we, it's vital to be in the Word, to be in the Word every day, to be in the Word. Even not just, just to, stu not to study the Word. Just be in the Word. Be in the Word and be in the ministered Word. Be in the publications. I tell you, to read just a page or two of a life study or one of the ministry books, oh, it refreshes you. Refreshes you. That, that little thing could maintain your consecration. Point H. This next point, saints, actually is a big point. Moses' anointing of the tabernacle, the altar, and the laver with all their utensils to sanctify them signifies that Christ and the church, the tabernacle, the cross, the altar, and the washing of the spirit, the laver, are related to the New Testament priesthood for the priest's sanctification. One says, God's ordaining us to be priests is a matter of sanctification, a matter of being made holy, that is a matter of being separated unto God and saturated with God, the Holy One. Saints, here is another point I think that's very practical. Many of us, as I mentioned, we've consecrated ourselves to the Lord. But then... How is our daily living? It's very possible. Not in an intentional way. But just by going to work every day. Just by going to school every day. And being in the midst of the worldly people. The things that are spoken of. The things that are spoken of. Draw us. Affect us. And we lose our sanctification. It's very easy to lose your sanctification. You know, recently I was asked to uh, officiate a wedding. And I have to confess, I, I am not as excited about, well, I, I should say, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm really joyous when the Lord brings a young brother and sister together. That's wonderful. But I'm not that excited about going to the weddings. Because, more or less, they all say the same thing. We consecrate ourselves to Christ and the church. And it's wonderful. Please say that. <laughs> and you should say that. 
But I really like to see three years down the line. Five years down the line. How is that consecration maintained? And I know that it's said in a very genuine way at the wedding. This is very genuine. We say amen. We bless that. Oh, but dear young saints, dear young saints, we have to be careful. As their young brother and sister, maybe they have a good job for a little while. Then they start to have children. Oh, this thought. Oh, even, even what stroller you buy. Now, I'm saying this because, you know, I have, I have three grandchildren. I know that's a surprise to some of you. I have three grandchildren. And, and so I found out the strollers today, Brother Ed, are not like the strollers when we had the children. <laughs> and so I'm, 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 walking, I'm walking with you know, my granddaughter in the stroller, and then I notice all the different strollers in the park. <laughs> wow, some of them look like Cadillacs. <laughs> I mean, there are there's deluxe, there's this and that. Oh, even in this, do you know, sisters? you could lose your sanctification. Even in this. Oh, because the neighbor has. Even because the other sister has. For their child. I feel I should buy for. Be careful. Be careful. Even in this, we've just become like the worldly people. We do the things just because of others. That's, That's to be worldly. Even in stroller purchasing, we need our sanctification. (laughs) Saints, I I believe you could apply this to many, many things. You know, how we spend our money is actually an expression of what's in our heart. I hope that we can have a mark. You know, as as the children are growing up, Saints, we are, we're always sowing seeds. We're always sowing seeds. As parents, we're always sowing tiny seeds into the heart of our children. And how we purchase things, how we purchase things, is sowing seeds into the children. These seeds, will, you will, they, will, they will not be reaped for ten, maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years. But sooner or later, those seeds will be, everything will be reaped. Oh, dear saints, in our home life, we, we need sanctification. We need sanctification. But point two, we, we have to have point two. This is very important, to maintain the sanctification. The anointing brings the triune God, compounded with Christ's humanity, human living, death, resurrection, and ascension, to the priests and to the church life. This indicates strongly that the anointing of the priesthood is to make God one with us, for the anointing signifies that whatever God is doing and will do are ours. You know, in, uh, in, Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter 8, uh, we have this, this is verse uh, 12. He says, And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him 
to sanctify him. Please note the way this is worded. And he poured some of the oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. Saints, how can we be sanctified? How can we be delivered from following the worldly trend? From being common? How can we be delivered from having the worldly thought? You know, maybe buying strollers, that's not so dangerous. But having the worldly concept, that's more dangerous. Having the worldly way of thinking, that actually could lead you really astray. How can you avoid that? By the anointing. We need more anointing. Which means what? We need more of the triune God dispensed into our being. We need the triune God to be painted on us every day. The more we enjoy him, the more we experience him, spontaneously we're set apart. And when you go to make that purchase, there's going to be something moving in your heart. Mm, Not that one. Not that one. Don't we have that, saints? Don't we have that when we go to the store? Not that one. But you say, but Lord, it's on sale. (laughs) And what does the anointing say? Not that one. Not that one. The anointing doesn't go, oh, you have a good point. (laughs) I think the anointing just doesn't change its tone. The only thing the anointing does is become more quiet. No, no. And we still go ahead, then the anointing just doesn't say anything. Oh, saints, don't lose the anointing. Don't lose the anointing. You know, it says in uh, Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. (laughs) Even in our purchasing, in our driving, in our speech. Oh, may may we have the grace to follow that anointing. That anointing will set us apart spontaneously. Amen. Three, in the consecration of the priest, the sin offering and the burnt offering immediately followed the anointing. These offerings remind us of who and what we are and of what we should be, yet are not. So interesting that as soon as, as uh, after the, they're anointed, then the sin offering and the burnt offering to always remind us of what we are, of what we are still, and of what we should be but are not. But not to discourage us, but to show us how much we need Christ. Because he meets our every need. Okay, let's read I uh, together. Moses clothed. Amen. Sisters, number one, please. Amen. Brothers, two.
Amen. Sisters, please. sake of time, we, we won't dwell here, but I'll just mention this. The key word here is expression. Expression. The garments are for expression. And saints, be advised, be advised, especially parents, grandparents, be careful of our expression at home with our children, even the husbands and wives to our spouses. They're the ones that see us the most. Uh, is, there, is, there some, is there some blue strand in your home life? Is there any purple at home? Do you understand my funny talk? <laughs> you know, the priest's garment had blue, had red, had purple. You know, the purple signifies the kingship. So at home, do we, have the, do, do we have an expression that I'm under the throne? Or I say what I want when I want to? Blue is something heavenly. Is there something heavenly at home between you and your spouse? You know, I was reminded when I was covering this uh, uh, studying this, that that uh, that woman that touched the fringe of the Lord's garment, you know, you know, in the Old Testament, the the fringe of the garment, the Lord says in Numbers 15, you ha have a fringe of blue. So, they were walking around with a robe, and the fringe was blue, and touching that fringe healed that woman. What's the fringe? The fringe is the limit. You know, the fringe, usually the hem, is sewn, right? That's the boundary. A boundary of blue. But blue is the heavens. But this blue is there on the earth. So that means I'm walking on the earth, but I'm bound by the heavens. On my garment on my expression in my daily life. Do your children have a sense? Oh, dad makes decisions by the heavens. Not by where's the best school district. Not by where, where will the, my house triple in value. Not by the stock market. My dad makes decisions by the heavens. Saints, even at home, I hope we could have such expression. Now, saints, we come to a very, very strong burden in this, in this message concerning the matter of the sin offering. Jay says, The bull of the sin offering signifies the stronger and richer Christ as our sin offering to deal with the flesh, the old man, indwelling sin, Satan, the world, and the ruler of the world, for the assuming of our New Testament priesthood. 
This reminds us that in ourselves we are a constitution of all the aforementioned negative things and need to offer Christ daily as our sin offering for our priesthood. One says, the priest were to eat the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary that they might bear the iniquity of the assembly to make expiation for them before Jehovah. Saints, I have, to, I have to tell you, when this word was released in this most recent training, this was fresh light to me. It's fresh light to me. Mostly when we talk about the sin offering, even when we apply the sin offering, we apply it in a very personal and individualistic way. And it does have that application, and we need to have that application. We need to see what we are, who we are, and we need to see that Christ is our offering, right? Christ is our offering. But did you see, have you ever seen that actually we need to enjoy Christ as the sin offering? But as the sin offering, he is the sin-dealing life. When we enjoy Christ as our sin offering, he ministers himself to us, not just to forgive us of sin, but to deal with sin. Then, not only for ourselves, but the priests were to what? Bear the iniquity of the assembly. Leviticus 10.17 Why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary? For it is most holy. And he gave it to you to bear the iniquity of the assembly to make expiation for them before Jehovah. Saints, it was a function of the priests to take the sin of God's people away, to deal with it. Now what does this mean? Surely we don't die for people's sins. That's not what it's talking about. Not that forgiveness of sins. Let's, let's, let's continue to read. Two, the priests partaking of the sin offering to bear the iniquity of the people signifies that we, the New Testament priests, partake of Christ as the believer's sin offering in the sense of participating in Christ's life, the life that bears others' sins as our life supply that we may be able to bear the problems of God's people. Saints, we enjoy Christ as our sin offering so that we can go to another and actually bring them into the experience of the sin offering so that they will deal with their sins. Saints, I, I, I think those who are burdened for shepherding, whether, whether it's just the saints in the church life or it's the young people, or the community saints. Oh, we're always dealing with some who have their problems. And we're always dealing with some who are in sinful situations. What is our attitude? What is our attitude? If our attitude is to write them off, oh, we can't be the priests. We're not serving in this capacity. But if we have the grace, and even the capacity to bear them. And then not condemn them, but minister to them 
so that eventually they are supplied to deal with their sin. What a glory that would be. Saints, in our shepherding of one another, and particularly our shepherding of the young ones, all the serving saints must learn this. Look at number three. The rich enjoyment of Christ as our sin offering in the church life enables us to minister Christ to the believers as the life that deals with sin. That they may deal with their sins to restore their broken fellowship with God. And the key verse here is Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. How I treasure these verses tonight. Brothers, even if a man is overtaken in some offense, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Looking to yourselves, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ completely. Saints, I hope that we could have this reality in the church life everywhere. Amen. That, that we, we would have the experience of Christ that enables us to what? When we see someone overtaken an offense, we have the grace to restore such a one. But how do we restore? We restore by ministering the sin-dealing life to them. We minister Christ to them so that they deal with their own sin. Then their broken fellowship with God is restored. Saints, I... I Several experiences come to mind. We don't have the time, so I won't get into give you these testimonies. But I tell you, we need this. We need this in the church life. There are many around us. They're broken. They're broken. They're suffering because of sin. But their heart is to go on. Their heart is to love the Lord. Their heart is for the church. They just don't know how. They don't know how. And then the enemy has condemned them. And sadly, sometimes we condemn them. Oh, I hope there would not be the critical speaking. Only the prayer. At least the prayer. Laura, would you restore such a one? Would you restore such a one? Let's continue reading. As we are enjoying Christ as the sin-dealing life, we must have the capacity to bear away the iniquity of God's people. I hope we, some would pray tonight, Lord, increase my capacity to bear away the iniquity of God's people. We must learn to minister Christ to the dear ones who are in sin. To minister Christ as the sin-dealing life to someone is not to go to him to point out his fault and condemn him. This will only cause damage. Saints, it doesn't only cause damage to go and speak to that one. It causes damage if I would go to Brother David to criticize that one. To talk about that, that one and his weakness. Oh, how we need to preserve the church life through our words. You know, the enemy uses words to damage the church life very much. 
I hope if we see such a situation, we would pray. First pray. Then maybe the Lord could use us as a vessel to go to minister the sin-dealing life to that one. B says, a person who sins usually has his heart hardened. If we are going to minister Christ to him, we have to trust in the Lord that we may have the grace with the Spirit to soften and warm up his hardened heart. Then the very Christ as life will be actually, really, and richly ministered to him. And this life, which is the Spirit, will work within him. He will then be healed by the very Spirit, the life of Christ, ministered into him through us. Saints, don't you long for this? To have this capacity? To minister this Christ to people? D, this is what it means, according to Leviticus, to bear away the iniquity of the people of God. This is the way to get rid of the sins among some saints so that they may eventually be recovered. Saints, we need a lot of recovering. In every locality, in every locality, there's the need to be able to recover saints in this way. Okay, K, the ram of the burnt offering signifies the strong Christ as our burnt offering for the assuming of our New Testament priesthood. This offering reminds us that as serving ones, we must be absolute for God, yet we are not. Thus, we need to take Christ as our daily burnt offering throughout the dark night of this age until morning, until the Lord returns. Amen. Let's read L together. The ram of consecration. Amen. Brothers, could you please read one? Amen. Sisters, please. Two. It's interesting that when Moses was called in Exodus 4 at the burning bush, one of the signs was to put his hand on his bosom. And when he pulled it out, imagine if I put my hand here and I pull it out and leprosy. That shows in his heart what he is. All of us. We want to serve the Lord, but we always have to remember who and what we are. Uh, three, brothers. So we have this very sweet point here, very practical, that 
when the priests were consecrated, Moses put the blood and the anointing on their earlobe, and their thumb, and on the toe, big, the great toe of the right foot. And so this shows, this shows that if we're going to serve the Lord, these three areas must be directed by him. The ear, the hands for doing, and the feet for walking. But the first is the ear. And this is really the point here. We have to, to serve the Lord, we have to hear the Lord first. We have to listen to the Lord first. That's why, saints, I mentioned at the very beginning, it's not good enough just to have the desire to serve. Like, oh, I want to serve the Lord. So I think I will. No, no, don't do that. Don't just get busy doing things. And saints, when we're bringing others into service, we also, maybe we need to be a little more cautious or a little slower. Not just to direct people where to serve, but direct them to open their ear. That the Lord could guide them in every area of service. We want to be those who can hear the word of the Lord. You know, saints, tomorrow af afternoon, right, we're having a special fellowship on the matter of the, the practice of personal fellowship with the Lord. Yeah. There we will develop this point much more. Because it's so important in serving the Lord that we listen to the Lord first. Then everything can be out from him, through him, and then un unto him. Amen. Then let's read point M altogether. Two points here, very quickly. One is, and this is related to this procedure being repeated seven days, seven times. And this shows the seriousness, or we might even say the solemnity of consecration. It really means something to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. It's not a light thing to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. The thing I'd like to emphasize, the second thing, is seven days. Seven days. And this represents our whole life. Our whole life. I hope we would continue for seven days. I hope none of us would be consecration dropouts. Saints, we have to admit along the way we are not still together with all the ones with whom we started. Along the way, for various reasons, after the second day, some dropped. After the fourth day, some dropped. We're really still here by the Lord's mercy. 
And may the Lord have mercy on all of us to really complete our consecration. Amen. Amen. And we have a few prayers, and then the brothers direct us. Yeah, amen. Amen.